Are you ready for this intro? <laughs> you gotta help me though. Okay. Like I wrote lyrics. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I need you to give me some background music that feels very cold and or Russian. Okay. We want ever start like start whatever. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you if it's a vibe or not, or I'll give you some notes if we have to change it. <laughs> I decided against what We're I wanted to do. We're terrible at improv. Yeah. Well, I'm better at it when it's not music. Think more like Moscow, Moscow kind of vibes. Okay. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that can't be missed. It's time to sit on your bum for this podcast doesn't exist. <laughs> I love how out of sync I was. <laughs> But I did love it. Anyway. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. I'm very proud of you. Thank you so much. That was so I, good. I went to my old friend, uh, rhymezone.com. Oh, I gotta love that. For welcome and bum. They rhyme. Although I'm gonna I, be, I'm gonna be very clear that I heard none of what you said yeah, because I was too so focused. focused. So enjoy that back in the edit. <laughs> I hope you laugh. Can you film yourself listening to it? I'll, yeah, I will. And send it to me because I, I'll do that. That'll amuse me. But yeah, I'm Shannon. I'm Emma, <laughs> and this is this podcast doesn't exist. Hello, You're friends. Welcome. We're two best friends. We like talking about stuff. What kind of stuff, Emma? Uh, creepy, mysterious, unsolved, mostly everything. I mean, we talk about everything. but on Mostly this po- everything. On this podcast, we specifically talk about things that uh, have not been solved in Answered. the world. yeah. Answered. There we go. That was the word I was looking for, because yes. it already said unsolved. Yeah. So, but yeah, you get the gist. If you want to know more about our podcast and what we do, um, or if you want to send us anything if you want to find us anywhere all you got to do is go directly to our website at this podcast doesn't exist.com thank you appreciate it cool that's all i got great now on to your favorite part of the podcast the gimmick the lead-in she's good at them you guys the loop-de-loop here we go all right emma yeah i have riddle for you that is actually pretty easy so if you don't get it i'm concerned There's a lot of pressure in that now. (laughs) I really believe in you. (laughs) Okay, great. What do I, or what will I, always want for Christmas, but really don't need? Candles, books, I mean, earrings. um. All right. Okay. All right. It's books. (laughs) Oh, okay. Got it. I got it on the second try. (laughs) I should have phrased that. What might make more sense in the context of this podcast? (laughs) Books. And then I wrote, ready to get mad about books? Let's go. Oh, no. (laughs) All right, Emma. Serious, serious, serious announcer voice. Mm -hmm. Today's tale is one of war, alliance, love, maybe, deception, more war, confusion, and mystery. (laughs) More war. (laughs) Part the first. Who's who? Okay, I have, I, I, so far I have no clue what I we're think doing. this might be the deepest I have ever buried the lead. I, honestly, it is so far underground, I can't, oh, she just gave me a look, you guys. <laughs> underground? <laughs> oh, no, okay. All I right, don't think just, I actually, but because I feel like so few people have probably heard of this, like, it's niche, so I feel like 
even if I did a big, it's da da No, you know what I mean. I, yeah. Like versus when I was like, today we're talking about the Titanic. Everyone's like, ah! like you're not gonna do that. This is like, like if the Titanic is the headliner. This is, like, the first opener. Like, still a decent band, but, like, you haven't really heard of them. Right. Yeah. Okay. But hopefully by the end, you'll want to buy their album. All right. Great. Or at least, like, save it on your Spotify. Like, when we went to that Ed Sheeran concert, we were like, James Blunt can sing for real? Oh, I knew that. <laughs> yep. I Beautiful. I didn't. Just that one specific song. Yeah. Because it was on, like, Now 18. Oh, now, like, now yeah. that's what I call music. All right. Sorry. It's okay. So first, our story starts, as so many of my episodes do, with going back in time. The year is 1472. Whoa, we're real back there. And Grand Duke Ivan III is ruling Russia. All right. He is also called, historically, Ivan the Great. Okay. I mean, that tracks, because Catherine the Great, eventually... In addition to expanding Russia and introducing a new legal system, throughout his lifetime, he married twice and ruled for 43 years. Wow, that's a long time for back then. Making his reign the second longest in Russian history. Wow. Like, ever. Wow. So. I mean, well done. Good for you, Ivan. Uh, he did expand Russia pretty... Widely. Widely. Uh, primarily through uh, war. Uh, them, yeah. And it's claiming, 1400s. And claiming land of his dynastic relatives. Oh. So. That's cool. All right. By 1472, he had been ruling solo for about a decade. Because previously he had, like, co-ruled, but, like, with his dad or whatever, but then his dad died. So oh, I see. for about okay, a decade right. he'd been the main man in charge. Okay. His first wife, unfortunately, died in 1467. Together they had one child... Which, in Russian naming conventions, makes total sense. But to us as Americans, I find this name really funny. Their one child's name was Ivan Ivanovich. <laughs> Ivan, son of Ivan? Yeah. Yep. But it's also helpful to have not only an heir, but a couple spares. So it's time for a new wife. Mm-hmm. Enter. Pause. Did you go to our website? Did you download the bingo card? Okay, on your bingo card, did you have a Shannon mispronounces thing or host mispronounces something? I just want you to mark that off right now because we're in Russia. And, you know, it is the season for Shannon to do a vaguely gift-related topic where she mispronounces a lot of stuff. It's not Latin this time. It's Russian. So you're welcome. All right, so it's time for a new wife. Okay. You were going to say something. I was going to say, I will remain proud of you no matter what. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. But it's time for a new one. Yes. Sorry. Continue. Enter Sophia Paleologus. I feel like you did good. I looked that one up. Oh, good. Good. Good I watched watched part (laughs) of a lecture on YouTube. And then I wrote it in phonetically. I was like, you said it so, like, you said it quickly enough that it was like, even if you made a mistake, it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Strong and wrong, my friends. All right. So she was a Byzantine princess. Ooh. She actually was born Zoe, but then she changed her name to Sophia later. I'll tell you in a second why. She was also the niece of the last Byzantine emperor, Constantine the 11th, who was killed in battle in 1453. Oof. After this defeat, she was adopted by the Vatican. 
Which is why she changed her name. The Vatican can do that? Yeah. Because, like, the Byzantine Emperor, they were really, you know, close with the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, they're, like, kind of the same, okay, related, like, something. I, gal, I know. Euro history was a long time ago. I'm just, the concept of, because it, I don't know who her main guardian was. Was it the Pope? Was her guardian the Pope? Uh, I don't know. It was, uh, the, the main objective, I think, was that they were, like, she's one of the last remaining, um, members of this Byzantine empire, so we want to scoop her in and convert her. Oh. And use her as a tool for the Holy Roman Empire. Oh. You know. Okay. So, she gets adopted by the Vatican. She changes her name to Sophia. She spends several years in the court of Pope Sixtus IV. Pope Sixtus IV. Sixtus. It's still, it's still there. <laughs> All right, whatever. Pope six, six tis? Yes. The fourth. I just like the, the, sorry. Just, that was just. You know they were really excited when they were like, finally, a six tis, the sixth. <laughs> but yes. Okay, so he, the Pope, he supported her marriage, Princess Sophia, uh, Supported her marriage to Ivan the Third, also known as Ivan the Great. Remember him? We talked about him yeah. a little while ago. Yeah. So he supported their marriage because, in his mind, it was his way to kind of send a mole to Russia to like <gasps> spread the church, oh. spread Christianity. I thought it was going to be more conspiratorial than that. Just, no, okay. I wish that'd be fun. However, this plan uh, failed. Because as as soon as they left Rome after the marriage, Sophia just returned to the faith yeah. of her uh, her ancestors. I mean, <laughs> she couldn't have been at the Vatican long, right? Well, she was there for a decent number of years. Like her her relative died in for, it, like the big battle and everything. Yeah, like yeah. The end of the the empire was in 1453, and it's 1472. Oh, so like almost 20 years. Yeah, maybe. Ish. I don't look in the teens. Okay, everyone on this microphone that's listening, we're in your ears. Remain proud of us because Emma and I both have planned ahead which topics we're doing next. I know, aren't which you like surprised? never happens. So you're got, you're gonna get some some good research then. Get excited. Okay, wait. I'm gonna interject. I'm interrupting myself. What if? Here's a little peek behind the curtain, you all. Um, a peek into the stewed. A studio sneak peek. Usually, we record one episode a week, and then Emma edits it and, like, does all the stuff. But because it's the holidays, we're starting to, like, we're going to rack them, stack them, so that, because, you know, we may not see each other on actual closer to the holidays. What if, Emma, mm. you know, we're like, okay, great. We've got them all racked and stacked, ready to go. What if there's some, like, br- big breaking news about s- some topic? And, like, you know what I mean? Like, if we were on, like, a normal once-a-week schedule, we could talk about it. But then watch Inevitably when we're like, great, see you in January. It's going to be like, the Zodiac Killer, we actually figured it out this time. Or, like, Sandy Irvin's body has been found. <laughs> then that just means that I'm going to either zoom or facetime you and y'all are just gonna have to deal with the crappy audio audio, (laughs) the audio quality so that we can unpack unpack it yeah Uh, this is me manifesting this is me speaking it into existence that sandy Irvin's body is found they're not really wish they're not on everest right now i know 
I know that now because of you. <laughs> Stop. You're not supposed to make me cry. Why are you crying at that? I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm Somehow, so, you guys, I made so Jenna cry. I'm so proud that you know when Mount Everest season is. Although some people do try to climb during the fall after monsoon season, but that's but really, most yeah, people don't. It's December, so nobody's up there. Except all the dead people. So- <laughs> I'm sorry. Why are we laughing at dead rude. people? Oh, I'm so sorry. Um... <laughs> I'm so sorry I made you cry. I'm just so proud. <laughs> like, you, you, uh, please, ri- nobody ever writes in. Are you even friends with us anymore, people? Just wondering. Seriously. Sorry. I'm having a lot of feelings. It's the holidays. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, but I hope that if someone ever is, like, you know, at the bar for trivia night or, like, playing Trivial Pursuit with their fam... If you ever get a question right in a competition setting because of something you learned on, on this podcast, please write in, DM us or something. Emma's raising her hand. Yes, yes, Miss Kylie. So our very first episode, when Shannon talked about uh, Tupac mm-hmm. and his murder and potential not murder, mm-hmm. um, I got a message from one of the girls in my small group where she said, I listened to the first episode of your podcast yesterday, and then my family and I were playing Trivial Pursuit, and I got the Tupac question right. Because it was something like, who was, like who were the two biggest rivals in hip-hop, or, you know, it, it, in the, that culture? Mm-hmm. I forget what the actual, like, right. uh, phrase like, was. The in the 90s. East and, West Coast. And she immediately knew. She was like, I, it, like, my family had no clue, and I got it so right, I was so proud, and we won. And I was like, uh, that's incredible. Amazing. Thank you. So thank you, Abigail. Um, wow. I remember have, back when I did that, who would have thought, based on the type of episodes I typically do, like, the who would have thought that, that was, your was first my episode? first episode? <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I really played into mine, though. My first one was Winchester. <laughs> yeah. Was it actually your real first one? No, my real first one w- got eaten. Was the Bermuda Triangle? No? No, my real first one was the Somerton Man. Oh, and then it was eaten by my computer. Right, 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 right. But I also did the Bermuda Triangle, mm-hmm. which was my second one. And then, the- ma'am, we're speaking. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Uh oh. Are you low? Better eat those Hershey kisses, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. This dude has snacks, friends. Wait. ASMR. I'm going to hate that. Oh, I dropped one. I'm going to hate this. I'm back to that. I mean, I'm not going to eat close to the microphone. I'm not a monster. Anyway, I've done it again. I've managed to make this episode about Mount Everest. It's not. <laughs> you need, really need You really need to uh, revamp the bingo card. So that Mount Everest and Titanic are both on there, because you have talked about both of them in the first 15 minutes of this episode. (laughs) Of this recording, excuse me. You know what? I'm not mad about it. What can I say? I'm a marketing specialist. I'm very good at staying on brand, okay? Well, welcome back 
Thank you for that brief intermission brought to you by my low blood sugar. Welcome back, not to Mount Everest talk. No, no. But this podcast doesn't exist, which in fact, confusingly, does exist, unlike Mount Everest talk or this is not National Treasure podcast. <laughs> podcast. I just really like that my low blood sugar is is now a new person in this in this podcast. <laughs> Catch me at a Drag King show <laughs> as Milo Blood Sugar. Milo Blue Sugar. <laughs> sugar. Blue Sugar. Milo Blue Sugar. He's French, apparently. I really... <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's so good. Here's a piece of news that you probably, if you care about this, have already heard on a different podcast. But apparently for season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race... For the first time ever, they've cast a straight cis man Ooh. as a queen on the show. Oh, I'm interested to watch that. Yeah. But we're back. We're back. Sorry, guys. Right. Princess Sophia, they were like, yeah, get married to Catholicism. And she was like, nah. But we have to talk about how they got married. And then we're going to give you a nice little quote from our favorite mother source. Wikipedia. Yeah. Following his second marriage to Princess Sophia, Ivan developed a complicated court ceremonial on the Byzantine model and began to use the title of Tsar and Autocrat. Oh. Also during the reign of Ivan and his son, Vasily III, Moscow came to be referred to by spokesmen as the Third Rome. Philotheos, there you go, Philotheos, a monk from... (laughs) <laughs> you guys, I just need you to know that every time Shannon encounters a word that she doesn't know how to pronounce, she, of course, as you can hear, stops immediately. But the way she looks at her her computer is, like, accusatorily, like, how dare you? <laughs> oh, see, I'm, in, from this side of the face, I'm interpreting it as just Windows 97, like, <laughs> bong, I mean, bong, like that sound effect. You're not wrong. Every time bong. you go to refresh your brain, it just goes, yeah. no. Okay, Philotheos, a monk from Pskov. I'm I'm sorry. Pskov. Bless you. P S K O V. Pskov. I'm I'm not gonna. I'm, I have no clue. So that was like I, something you'd say to someone in traffic. Pskov. Um, sure, it's a lovely town. Sure, but anyway, Philotheos, a monk from there. Uh, developed the idea of Moscow as the true successor to Byzantium and hence to Rome. So that kind of goes along with, like, why Rome was down with them getting married. But more importantly, okay, after three years of negotiations and a June wedding at the Vatican, in the Vatican? In Vatican City. I, I would at say, the Vatican, yeah. At the Vatican. Sophia brought to Russia a glorious dowry. Ooh. But fun fact... Uh, Ivan III, her husband, uh, wasn't actually present for that wedding. Uh, uh, wait, 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 wait! A different Ivan. <laughs> Ivan Fryatsin. Fryatsin. Um, he was a proxy at that wedding. I love how they were like, we just need a guy named Ivan. Ivan. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, the groom cannot be here today. Is there a John in the audience? Amen. Amen. Any, are, there, are there any Johns? 15 men stand up. We just need one. Just one. Just one. 
preferably <laughs> not related to the bride. Fourteen of them sit down. <laughs> <laughs> a formal wedding was finally held in November of that year of 1472 once she had made her okay. way to Russia. I with, want, with the actual Ivan. I want to know... I want to know what happened to the fake Ivan. Like, did he... He was like, all right, I'm here. Great. Ooh, she's pretty. I like her. Okay, this is... <gasps> oh, wait. She's not... Um, um, I... You gotta read the Shadow <gasps> and Bone books. Oh, I do? Okay. I thought you were gonna be like, um, you guessed something. No, no, no. no. But back to her glorious dowry. Yes. In addition to 6,000 ducats... Yeah. Which always makes me think of Shakespeare plays. Yes. Uh, ducats. Sophia's dowry is said to contain, to have contained, many rare Greek, Latin, and Egyptian works from the libraries of Constantinople and Alexandria. Emma's holding her face. She looks like Edvard Munch's scream right now. Guys. And gals oh and non-binary pals. All of you. Every single person on this planet. I need you to know how much I would give just to see all of this stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. You can continue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, are you having a, a crisis? No. I'm or just, are I'm you having formulating thoughts? Okay. I'm just I'm having a moment. Some sources claim that this collection included illuminated manuscripts and even some encrusted with jewels. Ooh. The total number of volumes and manuscripts included could be as high as 800. Oh, wow. That's a lot for the time. Well, because if you think about it, she's one of the last representatives yeah. of the Byzantine Empire and all of those emperors had been collecting yeah. materials. That, no, that makes sense. I just, thinking through... Because this is like the 1400s, and we are probably we're we're just at the beginning of the printing press and all of the incunabula that's happening. Incunabula are the your drag name. <laughs> oh my god, are the very first like a, it's it's a I don't know what the time frame is actually I don't remember, but they're the first set of books printed. Mm-hmm during that time period so it's like basically the very first books ever printed which means that these 800 works were all handwritten probably by scribes and i just handwritten books make me so happy sorry this is gonna be an emma geeking out you were right okay you guys she warned me a little bit she was like i think that you are going to enjoy this episode because you are a nerd and i was like Okay, <laughs> I don't know what that means. You were right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Well, because then she asked me, is it like a, an Emma kind of episode? To which I was like, mm, it's like, it's a Venn diagram in the middle, right? Like, yeah, this is definitely a, a Shannon episode on the history portion of it being a historical mystery. But when it comes to like books, you guys, um, most of my degrees are in that. So like... <laughs> <laughs> all of them. All of them, basically. I have two. <laughs> Most of my degree, all of my... Well, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This collection, as you laid out, uh, was so valuable that Ivan, the king, slash... The great. Yeah. He decided to keep it in a secret location. <gasps> Most likely. Underground. Most likely... 
under the Kremlin. Oh! Which, the most famous Kremlin is this particular one that's in Moscow, but a Kremlin itself is a fortified fortress. So there are oh, Kremlins. okay. Thank like you. Kremlins lowercase in other places in Russia, but the Kremlin is used often to describe the government and, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that clear- clarification. Because yeah. I was like, mm, Wikipedia really pulled its weight on this one. If you can donate to Wikipedia, you should do that. Yeah. Especially for Christmas. Christmas! <laughs> I'm so funny. In the middle of the night. Uh, so he hides it all underground. <laughs> to which then I wrote, talk about reducing library access for the average person, am I right? <laughs> wow. Library access is important. It is important. Don't, I don't ooh, disagree. Uh, we don't have time. But I let the record reflect that I am very fired up about all of the attempted book banning that's going on in this country right now. I don't even want to talk about it. Woo! All right. So. It makes me so angry. All your kids can read all the stuff they want to find out on the internet. Just saying. All right. Yep. So. Great. She's brought all these books. He's really into it. And, like, he continues to add to it while he is, you know, warring and expanding Russia and whatnot. But it's probably underground. But we don't know. Like, okay. it's no, we don't have, like, a the dear diary. Today, yeah. my wife brought a bunch of books, and I put them underground. <laughs> Love, dear Ivan. Di- the great. <laughs> <laughs> he signs off in his di- to his diary. Dear diary. Love, Ivan. <laughs> okay, did you not do that as a child? I, like, I wrote, like, dear diary. I don't know who I thought it was. Not like it was a sentient being, but yeah, I was like, I feel like love me. <laughs> I feel like that's a very therapeutic thing to do because it takes it, the weight of whatever you're putting down on paper off of you and not necessarily into the ether, but you're telling someone else. Uh, well, see, that was my problem. I was like, theoretically, no one should be reading this, right? But I'm like... When I, when my kids, yeah, exactly. When my grandkids find this diary, they're going to want to know what my life was about. So I have to be very specific about every detail that I give and I need to make sure that it's as true to the story as possible. So they need to make sure that like, uh, you guys, you guys need to know, like when you read it, it needs to be legible. If I ever messed up, I need to like cross it out. I'm going to say right now though, that every single diary I ever had max 10 pages filled in and that was it. (laughs) I was going to say. I went to visit my Aunt Judy with some other members of my family, I think when I was 10 or 11, mm-hmm. like fifth grade. Okay. And we went to either a bookstore or like a stationery store, and she bought me this very beautiful journal where all the pages are like handmade paper. Ooh. You know, like you little can bit see rough. like the little floral seeds in it or whatever. I did not finish that journal until like senior year of high school oh wow so it's very much a highlight reel. it's a highlight reel or like a low light reel depending on what day it you is. know it was like yeah there were not a lot of daily thoughts and ruminations it was like dear diary but do i like girls crisis <laughs> like, do i have a crush on my friend the diary writes back yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. You, you've watched the movie Stick It a lot. It's been, it's been You haven't done gymnastics in eight years. It's been a while and you haven't figured that out How yet? How much do you love the cast of the Pirates of the Caribbean? All of them? Not saying they were, that there's too much, but. I will say too, Dimitri will, like, because he has a whole set of all of these, he calls them journals. Right. Diaries. 
whatever. Well, and he writes so small that one probably lasts him like five years. Truly, this man's handwriting. I cannot. It is so small. Dimitri, I love you. You know this about yourself. I make fun of you all the time about it. Your handwriting is so small, and I'm so glad that I somehow can read it. But anyway, he has these journals, but he doesn't like write in them every day. It's truly like a highlight or a low light reel, like when something big happens, Mm -hmm. or like you know, like when we got Penny. He like, oh, well, I need to you know document when we got it. Her word was arf. (laughs) That was her first. (laughs) Um, You're not my real mom. You're not my real dad. But, like, when we had, like, his birthday party and we took photos, he was, like, he was asking me, can I keep these Polaroids that you took? Um, and he puts them in his in his uh, journals and stuff. So I, I've also been told that um, I'm going to have to end up, because I am the only person who can truly read his handwriting, I'm going to have to trans- translate, transcribe both mm-hmm. them when he dies um, so that they can be kept for posterity's sake. But I'm not allowed to read them until he's dead. It's like a historical document. Like, kids aren't learning cursive anymore, so they can't read the Declaration of Independence. He's like, <laughs> no one's going to be able to read my historical documents. You got to transcribe you gotta, them. You got to type them up, babe. Get put them but in only a, when I'm a dead. hologram computer thing. But joke's on him because I'll probably end up dying first. Hey. <laughs> and I'll be the vase and he'll be yelling at... Never mind. You may continue... This was a very long tangent, y'all. So sorry. Dear Diary... Emma cannot, for the life of her, let a tangent go. Love, Emma. (laughs) I don't even remember how we got here. Like, I looked at my notes. Usually my notes will, like, clue me (laughs) into how we got on this. We are on such a far back dirt road that I don't even know. Can Google Maps even find us? Unclear. We're underground, under the Kremlin. You were saying lowercase Kremlin, and I said thank you for the clarification. Oh, no, but then I made jokes about reducing library access. Oh, yes, and, and then library access. Oh, right, but we don't know for sure that it's there underground. There we go. We've got there. Right in the time. There's no documentation. Yes, great. We got there. All right, and then we're going to, like, we're going to speed up because there's a lot of history. 43 years he was doing really I know. Yeah, I know. Wow. So, Ivan the third. The Great. And Princess Sophia. Queen Sophia. They're married. They seem to gain affection for each other. Aw, that's good. Um, to the point, actually, that during one military conflict or another, when Ivan had, like, sent his family away, mm-hmm. and then either he was, like, going to check on them or, like, something or another, um, one of his officials actually warned him, like, your family is going to be your downfall because you, like, care about them so much. And, he, like, and he's like, oh. uh, yeah, I've been ruling this place for 43 years. Don't tell me how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did, in fact, have 11 children. Holy. Not all of them survived to adulthood, That I don't makes think. sense to me. Um, I'm surprised she survived all that. I mean, God bless. So 11 children, including Vasily III. Vasily. Grand Prince of Moscow and Grand Prince of all Rus. 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 R-U-S. Russia. A.K.A. Russia. Russia. So far, so good. Yeah. Uh-oh. Part the second. What next? <laughs> Vasily Third is sometimes jokingly referred to as Vasily the Adequate. Oh. Due to his lineage position between his father, Ivan the Great, 
and his son, Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> and that, and that is all we will say about Vasily the <laughs> Third. That's adequate. <laughs> he is adequate. Yes. <laughs> oh, actually, there's one more factoid, oh. but also. Okay, so Ivan the Fourth assumed the throne in 1547 at the age of 16, having served as the Grand Prince of Moscow since his father's untimely death when he was three. His father, Vasily the Third. Mm-hmm. You want to know what he died of? What did he die? A, a, a wolf attack? A- oh, that would have been. Much more dramatic for Vasily the Adequate. Okay, so we're thinking real adequate. Um, food poisoning. Mm, like a he ate little, some bad cornbread. No, like a little more specified. An infected leg boil. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The poor man. He just... I mean, honestly, though... Adam, How do you follow up someone who's... Ivan the Great. I mean, uh, yeah, come on. that's that's fair. I feel like though it's probably better to be like adequate middle of the road than like completely horrible and or completely amazing. Right. To be like, you know what? I just I did my job. Average. I did my job and I did it well enough that none of y'all hated me so much or loved me so much. It was just fine. Bacteria Honestly, are they don't differentiate. No, they don't discriminate. They don't discriminate. Okay, so Ivan the Fourth. Age three, he's technically king, King, but, you know, he's three. So he's guided by a chosen council. Gotta love those. Well, actually, like, his mom was kind of there to be, like, a regent, Ooh. but then, like, they oh. kind of killed her off when he was <gasps> eight. So this council has been in charge this whole time. They killed her off? Yeah. I don't have any more information about it. I did. There's a lot going on. There's a lot. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. We're, so we're starting to get a little like. Okay, but all that happened. It's now 1547. He's 16, and he becomes the first official czar of Russia. Okay, because his grandfather was like, "This is he like be bounced around the thing, term. but I don't know if I want it." But then he's the first one to be like, "It's me." Okay. This is real. This is me. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, Look out, because here I come. You and I are singing two different songs. I know. Okay. It's fine. Camp Rock! <laughs> uh, if, you don't, if you don't watch TikTok, there are so many jokes on this show that just don't make sense. Dimitri okay. won't get that one. Yeah, I'll send it to you and you can show him. Thanks. Okay. So he's now the Tsar of Russia. And he was actually apparently quite a scholar. He, oh, he composed music, and he collected second-century Chinese texts and manuscripts. Oh, uh-huh. or no, second-century uh-huh. Chinese texts and manuscripts from his own era to add to the library created by his grandmother's dowry. Okay, one that's super cool. I'm glad that you are branching out into other uh, spaces and places. Um, but two, I'm a little scared as to how you got those. So, um, I'm not going to ask any more questions of Ivan the Terrible. The impressive library may have been kept underground to protect it from fires and invaders, 
But it was not just left there to collect dust. Good. In addition to his music, Ivan IV also worked with scholars to translate some of the more significant works into Russian. Okay, yeah. It's a great it's a great endeavor. You need to know how to read them. However, uh oh. One legend states that the scholars refused to continue the task of translating these works as they feared that the Tsar would use the knowledge gained from certain black magic texts to terrorize his subjects. Were they that scared that he was going to hurt his people? So, the terrible of his title does not necessarily refer to his personality, but rather the fear that he puts in the heart of his enemies. So, like, Ivan the Fearsome, the Formidable. It's like in, remember Stardust? Yeah. Um, Shakespeare? Yeah. Yeah. That. Yes. So, mostly not referring to his personality. Oh. Mostly. Oh. Then we're going to go to our mother source once more. Wikipedia. In a new key. I know. Sorry about that. I didn't really mean to do that. Contemporary sources present disparate accounts of Ivan's complex personality. He was described as intelligent and devout, but also prone to paranoia, rage, and episodic outbreaks of mental instability that increased with age. Oh, so happy you're in charge of an empire. Content warning awfulness um <laughs> just generally i'm I, sorry you should have gotten that at the top we should add that to our intro like so no matter what there might possibly most likely will be some kind of content warning in this hope you don't mind but we don't swear don't so know, it's okay some of them are surely we've done at least one episode that's not full of awfulness the vine ring but people got murdered maybe oh that's stealing. true um winchester was just spooky yeah, she it, like she's a cool person. She's so. a cool ghost. I'm not. A, I'm a cool. Ghost. I'm a cool ghost. I'm not like other ghosts. I'm a cool ghost. I'm a cool ghost. <laughs> um. Okay. So Ivan the Fourth, Ivan the Terrible, he may have caused the miscarriage of his heir's unborn son because he beat his daughter-in-law for wearing immodest clothing. Okay, I want to know what that immodest clothing was. I know that you don't have that information, but what what could have possibly been so immodest? I, I mean, th- but he's also described as devout, but also like irrational, irrational rage anger. So maybe she like walked past him, or and like he saw her ankle, yeah, or like not wearing a veil or something. So upon learning this, so his eldest son, the husband slash father. In this situation, his name was also Ivan. Of course. Uh, he confronted him Uh-oh. and was like, no. hey, dad, could you, like, maybe not beat my wife, my pregnant wife? And Ivan the Terrible struck him in a fit of rage, which led to his son's death. And That's like, so sad. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's so sad. Because there's also, I know that there's probably a piece of this where it's like, this person is mentally unstable. Yeah. And it's just a, mis- like, an, a... A non-understand, an ignorance, a, like, you know, not on anyone's part, but, like, just an ignorance of how do you deal with that? Well, and also he's the king. The czar. Like, yeah. he... It, There's no real way of dealing yeah, with no, that. I think if any of our recent politics have shown, if people are in power and displaying... Irrational behavior? Yeah. No one's really going to speak truth to power. Which I can relate to my current obsession 
Uh-oh. I've been <gasps> curious yes. and all of it. Which I'm mad that, like, it's just an elaborate scam. It's not unsolved. Otherwise, I would be doing a Theranos episode of this podcast because I'm shocked, shooketh, surprised that I did not pay attention while it was happening. And I was like, how did I not know about this? If y'all want to hear Shannon talk about that or hear us talk about any kind of solved things, maybe, you know, boost boost the podcast to a point where getting a Patreon makes sense for us. Mm-hmm. And maybe we give you some short little snippet episodes of us talking about I can't crime. promise that it would be short. I can't <laughs> promise it'll be short either if, if, if this episode is evidence enough. <laughs> I want to know how far you are through your notes, Shannon. Three of nine. Great. <laughs> we are 46 minutes in. Oh, boy. All right. Well, <clears throat> so bad. He, bad. Not good. Bad. Very, very bad scene. Yeah. <laughs> Ivan the Terrible died of a stroke on March 28th, 1584, apparently in the midst of a chess match with Bogdan Belsky. Thus leaving the game permanently unfinished. (gasps) Ooh, that I like. Much to John Green's frustration. Unexpected celebrity mention. Yeah. He made a Vlogbrothers video back in 2011 about this, about the library of Ivan the Terrible. And it is peak 2011 YouTube energy. Like, it warmed my heart. Like, it took me back to high school of like, oh. Have you put it in the show notes? I have. Great. Okay, I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, John Green. Uh, It's a fun time. That's lovely. Ivan's previous acts of violence within his own family left the throne to his childless and politically ineffective youngest son, which led to the rapid end of their family's dynasty. Womp womp. Seriously, like maybe you shouldn't have been so terrible. I like making that sound. I just needed to make it. You well done. Thank you. Part the third. I really like the way that you've organized this. It makes me happy. Is it real? I'm sorry. Wait, what? The earliest reference to the lost library was in 1518, when Mikhail Tripolis. Tripolis, Tripolis, okay. widely known as Maximus the Greek, <laughs> back when there were so like few known people in the yeah. world that you could just be like, ah, yeah, so-and-so, the Greek, um, was sent to Russia and came into contact with Moscow Grand Prince Vasily III. So we're going back in time a little okay, bit. Okay, all right, all right. Um, the, uh, the son the average, of Ivan III, the Greek. The adequate. Yes. I do this a lot to remind us who... Which Ivan and which who we're talking about. totally fair. Yes. So he's in contact with Vasily III. Tripolis's reputation as a scholar and translator of significant works into Russian brought him to the attention of the Grand Prince. Yeah. A meeting between Mikhail and Vasily is described where, quote, countless multitudes of Greek books, unquote, were shown to Mikhail by Vasily. Oh. The third. A Russian contemporary of Mikhail wrote a biography of him called, quote, The Tale of Maxim the Philosopher. Aw, that sounds like a wonderful book. What a bestie. Right? Write a biography of me. Yes, ma'am. Thanks. You're welcome. This biographer, Prince Kurbsky, 
A memory. <laughs> nope, a memory. A memory. I mean, he is He's a, a memory now. He's a memory and a member of the Moscow nobility. Describe this meeting between Mikhail and Vasily III. Kurbsky wrote that, quote, Maxim was astounded and impressed and assured the prince that even in Greece, he had never seen so many Greek books. Ooh. Unquote. I like that. There are remaining pieces of correspondence between Kurbsky and Ivan IV that reflect a working knowledge of ancient and Byzantine literature. So this guy that wrote the biography of the Greek guy that talked to Vasily. There's letters between this biographer and Vasily's son. Okay. Ivan the Terrible. Great. All known manuscripts, all like all the Greek manuscripts that we're aware of, that we have proof of, had been brought to Russia during the 17th century. Oh. Meaning that in order for Ivan to possess such knowledge, other unknown to us documents in Latin and Greek had to have found their way to Russia earlier. Which would make sense, like, in terms of where Sophia came from. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, it, which is weird to say, because it was Egypt and you know, in the Byzantine Empire, but, like, Greek would have been the prevailing language, Mm -hmm. and Latin would have been the prevailing language specifically of uh, written Well, especially if some of her her manuscripts were coming from the libraries of Constantinople and Alexandria. Yeah, which basically means they're almost guaranteed to be in uh, Greek or Latin. Yeah. Because I just, just thinking logistically of, like, the languages that were... It, it formed into a written language because there there were some languages that weren't necessarily written mm-hmm. or at least not a lot of people knew how to write in them in order to write a lot because you you know you use a lot of words and some words don't have or some languages don't have an alphabet and so you yeah. have to have characters for every word stuff like that so the likelihood of it being mostly in Greek and Latin is very high so I I'm very excited to hear this. Checks out for Emma. Checks out for me. Also, this is not me saying things with confidence that I don't know about for the first time ever. (laughs) For the first time in a very long time. I'm saying it with confidence because I know it. I know that. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. Send us an email. (laughs) Send us an email. Close to 80 years after Kerbsky wrote Maximus the Greek's biography. The next mention of the lost library, as well as a location, (gasps) appeared. Writer Franz Neinstadt wrote about Johannes Wetterman, a German Protestant minister who established a church in Russia and met with Ivan IV, the Terrible. Yes. Ivan IV had reportedly been hiding multitudes of weapons underneath the Kremlin. I mean, he was a paranoid person, so that doesn't surprise me. Well, and it's not just reports, because some of the weapons were actually discovered in 1978 by Soviet construction workers who were working on the subway. Poor guys. They were like, what the heck is this? (laughs) Oh my god, I found a sword. Can I keep it? Can I keep it? Can I keep it? (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Not in Russia. (laughs) Wetterman was summoned by Ivan IV, not to look at a weapons arsenal, 
but to look at ancient books that had been secured in a locked storeroom somewhere inside the Kremlin for well over a hundred years. Wetterman and three other Germans, as well as three Russian officials, were told to conduct a survey of the works. Wetterman noted that there were many works present that were only referenced in passing by other scholars because they had either been destroyed in fires or lost during wars previously. So basically being like, I've never seen this book because... It's not supposed to exist anymore. He is even recorded as having stated that though he was poor, he would give, quote, all of his property and even his children, unquote, to have these texts in a Protestant university as he believed them to be very important to Christianity. I mean, I kind of don't disagree with that. <laughs> I won't. Sorry, Penny, you're out. No, I would never give up my puppy. I would never give up my baby. Sorry, Dimitri. You're you're the one out. <laughs> wow. He'd probably be like, all right, Just yeah, that's tr- fine. He'd be like, for the knowledge of all mankind. Absolutely, I will take this bullet. He's like, can I know? <laughs> no. He'd be like, it just says give up. It doesn't say I have to, like, die or anything, so I'm going to go to space. Okay, bye. <laughs> That's the trade-off. Enjoy your library. That's the trade-off. Wetterman was offered the opportunity to work with and translate a book found during the survey, but he was afraid that such an assignment would lead to him basically never leaving Moscow. Like, he was like, if I translate one book, You're gonna ask then to the translate more. is going to, like... I'm going to be, like, locked in for life. I mean, honestly, based on what I, what you have told me of Ivan the Terrible's personality, I have a feeling that he probably wasn't wrong with that gut instinct. Yeah. Also, I want to clarify, Dimitri, I won't actually give you up for a horde of books. I love you. I I promise. I'm sorry. (laughs) Would you say that you're never going to give him up? Never going to let him down? No matter what, books are found under the Kremlin. (laughs) You're welcome. You're writing some really fire songs this episode. All right. Uh, Okay. We're on page five. Here we go. (laughs) Bring it back now, y'all. The works. So he was like, thanks, but no thanks. He leaves. And the works are locked away again in the underground of the Kremlin. Yeah. Probably to protect them from fire. Oh, yeah. I mean, fire and invaders, like, I completely get that. Yes. Yes. It should be noted that Johannes Wetterman never created any sort of list of the titles that he witnessed in the library. Dude! And that the account, you know, the account of this visit was written three decades after the fact. Oh. So, that makes me mad. That makes me mad. That makes me mad. That makes me so mad. Well, that's why we're like, did it, did it exist? Uh, Ugh. Johannes! A 1724 report by Moscow petty official Konin Ozipov mentions a discovery made by a V. Makarev in 1682. So, it's a 1724 report about something that happened in 1682. 
Okay. I feel the need to overexplain because whenever people on podcasts say dates, I kind of am just like, you know, clearly. and then like two minutes later, I'm like, wait, when is this? I do this to you on the podcast all the time. I'm like, what are literally is in it conver- 1800 and you're like 1967. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it changes the mental costumes a lot. In conversation, Shannon has to clarify where, where are we in time? What is this? <laughs> What's happening? I just need to create the mental movie. To make sure that I'm following along well. The movie in my mind. Musical reference. You're if, cool if you know it. Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't get it, let us know. <laughs> anyway. So, apparently this guy in 1682, he was ordered to go into a secret passage in the Kremlin. And he found a room full of trunks. And when Makarev, Makarev, I don't know. Sorry, you're dead. You don't... <laughs> I love that as an excuse not sorry. to pronounce it right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but he reported the room full of trunks to the princess regent, Alex Evan. <laughs> that last bit is definitely not Russian. Princess Sophia, but not the one I talked about before. Um, she made it forbidden to, for anyone to go look in those rooms. Probably because she was like, um, I want to keep it for myself. Don't look at it. Thank you. It's mine. We don't know. There is also an anonymous source listing books from an unnamed czar's library, which was discovered by Professor Christopher von Dabalov at the University of Dorpat, which is now Tartu in Estonia. And he discovered this list in 1819. This list did include specific titles and authors, Meaning that the presence of a czar's library is certainly possible and that it would be awesome and very enlightening if we found it. Oh, absolutely. all these titles were, you know, one night, one night only kind of situation. I'm going to ask you a question you might not have the answer to. Do you want to know some of the titles? Yes. Yeah. Is that the question? Yes. Okay, great. Great. So the list included 142 volumes of... Titus Livius's History of Rome, of which historians are currently only familiar with 35. Yeah. As well as an unnamed poem by Virgil. <gasps> yeah. After finding this document, Davilov claims to have copied down a portion to bring to a professor, Colossius, at this university where he was visiting. When Clausius went to take a look himself, however, the entire file had mysteriously disappeared. The entire file of, like, the, wait the a minute. List. The list. The list. The, the artifact that he had found? Yeah. It's gone. Which means that Dabalov's incomplete list is the only remaining copy. Which, of course, could have been a forgery if it existed at all. The conspiracies that my mind is coming up with are vast. Yeah. And I I, I enjoy them. I'm just, in my brain, because obviously the Russian government has always been a little bit like, um, Yes, but this is 1819. True, but like still like we got a little, I mean, most governments are questionable. But in any case, like I'm trying to think through... Who it would benefit to get rid of 
some lists, all mm-hmm. of this kind of stuff. Um, and the only people who would benefit would be those in power. Those would be like the czars, the czarinas, any of the prince and princesses, um, any of the like officials that were up high in the Kremlin who like had any idea of what was going on. Do you like my position? You are really just talking a lot with your hands. I'm just really excited about this. And it I'm glad. It makes me so angry in the same way that I feel like I felt a little bit about the Beal ciphers last week mm. where I'm like we don't have the hard copy we don't have the the primary source material no. and that makes me angry because that just immediately covers over the idea of validity or like validation of those actual sources and like of course, that's the nature of our podcast is, like, of course we don't know whether or not this is real. But, like, I really want to know if it's real. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Okay. This list, some people are like, it's fake. But then another source pointed out, which I think is a decent point. What did he have to gain? That was my other question. Because it's not like he forged one of these documents and then tried to pass it off as real. It's a list of titles. And he's also an academic, so that gives me some insight into, like, what he was actually excited about in that way, but that might be treacherous for people in power. Well, like, well, I was going to say, yes, he's an academic, but him being an academic is the only benefit I could see of him forging it, of, like, now, you know. That's true, All these years later, we know his name, like. 2,000 years later, we oh, yeah. still know him. He, fi- he finally becomes a piece of history like he's always wanted so, to be. Oh, that would be such a good mis- mystery. Mystery. Uh, movie, novel, something. Yeah, something, something. All right, coming in hot with another name that's challenging. Alexander. Hamilton. Nope. Alexander Filyushkin. All right. Filyushkin. Filyushkin. An associate professor of Russian history at the St. Petersburg... Nope. Petersburg is what you couldn't say. (laughs) I'm caught ahead of myself. (laughs) Alexander Filyushkin, an associate professor of Russian history at the St. Petersburg State University, has his doubts that the library itself ever existed. Ooh, okay. See, I have to get his name right because he's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's an excuse. The new standard. No, that's not true. We should try and respect everybody. Okay, firstly, it's likely that the Byzantine emperor would have sold off at least a portion of the impressive library to fund his war efforts and or to get his family to safety. So that's like starting all the way back. Yeah. That like maybe Princess Sophia's library wasn't actually that big. Secondly, all of the sources that lend credence to the legend are fairly flimsy from an academic perspective. I can see that. Yeah. Even if the library of Ivan the Terrible had existed, it could have easily been destroyed, some researchers believe. Moscow survived three huge fires during the 16th and 17th centuries. Oh. In 1547... 1571, and 1626. And all of these could have burnt the hidden library to a crisp. That's disappointing. Even if it was underground? 
Because fire. Yeah. Fire can move. Yeah. Fire can move, Emma. <laughs> wow. Wow. Fire moves. Fire. <laughs> Another theory is more far-fetched. Okay. The theory goes, the Poles who invaded Russia at the beginning of the 17th century ran out of food after being besieged in Moscow's Kremlin. So apparently they ate the leather cl- covers of the folios and destroyed what was left over. What? Okay, no, no. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. No, no. Um, and I'm going to tell you probably why. The way that they would prepare, based on what I am remembering, because this is also like, these are the Greek texts, the Latin texts, all of the stuff that could potentially be ancient enough to all be handwritten. The way that they would have prepared the potential, quote-unquote, covers, um would probably be, yes, out of animal skin of some kind, probably vellum. Um, It would have been treated. It would have been potentially waxed. It would have had, you know, it would have been stiff in some capacity. And I'm going to tell you right now, trying to chomp through that is not going to happen. It's not. All right, debunked. I mean, potentially it could have been thin leather. It could have been very, like, soft leather. They might not have even been in leather because it just... uh, all right, anyway. They're not the kind of books you think of as books now. Like, they're not... More scrolly kind like, of things. Even so, like, it, it would have been, like, Coptic texts that didn't necessarily have a cover in the way that you think of a cover now. Like, it's just... I just need to do this. <coughs> Nerd. You know it's true. I, this is the biggest thing that, like... We were watching a Muppet Christmas Carol last night. Um, and there's a scene where uh, they're closing up uh, Scrooge's shop mm-hmm. for Christmas, and it's Kermit and all of the rats who are all of the bookkeepers who are, like, singing a song, and, you know, it's one more sleep till Christmas. Um, and they're going around and cleaning up the shop, and they're all, like, pushing account books, you know, up against the wall and, like, putting them in sh- on shelves and stuff. And I turned to Dimitri, and I was like, those books are correct. <laughs> The Muppet Christmas Carol got it right, except for the four edges, which would not have been marbled. But otherwise, you guys did a great job. <laughs> Literally last night. So I'll do it myself. Nerd! <coughs> there it is. All right. Still others claim that before his death, Ivan the Fourth, Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> Placed a curse upon the oh, hidden treasures. No! Ivan! Why? Oh, please do this. I'm sorry. You react in the middle of my dramatic statement. I just like, get so excited. It just takes the steam out of it. Oh, I'm sorry. I get so excited. I just think it's funny. Oh. Yes, it's okay. The, the way that you said that made it sound like you don't think it's funny. No, in this instance, <laughs> I'm just like, what an observation I'm making right now. <laughs> placed a curse upon the hidden treasures that would make anyone who got too close to their location go blind. Oh, that's a very specific curse. Well, you can't read books if you're blind. Uh, Well, then, no. Yeah, back then. They didn't have Braille. No. They didn't even have covers. Well, they had covers. All right. (laughs) Part the fourth. Part the fourth. So where is it? Have we looked? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Have we? Hey, Putin. 
Do you know where it is? Get off that Ritz cracker. <laughs> Booting on the Ritz. All right. In the <laughs> we're in the home stretch, y'all. We're in the home stretch. <laughs> it's gonna be a long. And I thought it was a short episode. I know. You looked at me and said, "This is gonna be a shorty." No, it ain't. Sorry. <laughs> Shouty. is like a melody in, in my head. head. No, it ain't. All right. <clears throat> in the 1890s, Professor Thramer of the University of Strasbourg located a manuscript of Homer's hymns that he believed was once a part of the collection of manuscripts brought to Moscow by Byzantine Princess Sophia. <gasps> For several months in 1891, Professor Thramer lived in Moscow, searching through all of the city's libraries and archives in the hopes of locating the lost library. Thramer eventually decided it must be located inside hidden subterranean rooms underneath the Kremlin. Yes, because they wouldn't put it into a library that existed in a way that you could go and find it. Unless you were trying to surreptitiously stash things in plain sight. That's fair. Perhaps. In 1893, Professor I.E. Zabalin. Something like Zabalin, which makes makes me laugh because his first initials are I.E. Wrote an article called The Underground Chambers of the Moscow Kremlin. Ooh. Where he concluded that the library did exist there, but that it was destroyed in the 17th century. Around this time, some attempts were made at excavating underneath the Kremlin. The excavations found several underground chambers and tunnels, but all were found empty. But like, what kind of empty is what I wanna know? It just says empty. No, I'm not asking you that question. Sometimes you ask me some stuff. I, well, that one, I looked off into the distance and I said, but what kind of empty? Like my soul. That was dark. Sorry, like an underground room. Well, I know that! (laughs) But like, I wanna know if it was like empty of what they were looking for, or maybe there was like a couple pots or something like in a corner, and it was like, you know, a little bit dusty, but it looked like nothing had been there for a while, or it looked like they had cleaned it out. Like the one, the pre-room in National Treasure. Yes! I had to get it in there. You did. And you did well. Thanks. Welcome. S.A. Belikorov. Sure. In 1898, wrote that the tale of Maxim the Philosopher was, in fact, not written by Kerbsky. Oh. Remember Kerbsky? Yeah, and his, his bestie. And, yeah, Maximus the Greek. But was actually composed 75 years after the fact by a different monk. Oh. Belikurov states that he found enough contradictions and inconsistencies in the Maximus the Greek biography that he believed Maximus never even saw the library. <gasps> he also believed that Professor Dabolov's document was a forgery, and he refuted other sources as well. So wow. he's like, he's that really... biography, out. That list that contained all the titles, fake. Wow. Not about it. All right. Russian archaeologist Ignatius Stileski spent much of his life searching for the library, having found maps of the Kremlin from different centuries. So he was comparing, he was contrasting, he was looking. That sounds like fun. 
He was even granted permission to excavate by the Stalinist government <gasps> in 1929. Whoa. Although excavations began in 1933, they were discontinued in the following year after the assassination of Sergei Kirov. The outbreak of World War II put a, a kibosh on any yeah, more searching. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Stoletsky died in 1949 oh. without the chance to resume his search for the legendary library. And there wasn't anyone who was... That's sad, because I feel like if there had been people he had been working with who were like, yeah, we want to keep going. Like, I feel like at that point it wouldn't have mattered. A lot of it... So, y'all, it finally happened. I uh, logged back in, into JSTOR. For yes! This, for this story. But several of the articles kind of painted him as... Not a lone wolf in the way that we think about it now, but kind of like the eccentric, he was kind of the only one that still sort of believed. Yeah. Like Milo Thatch. Yeah. At the beginning of, or Ben Gates in National Treasure. Yeah. Like, they believe, but everyone else is like, buddy. Milo Blood Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Although, I will point out that World War II, Russia... Do you see where I'm going? Oh, I do. Yeah. No, I'm there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe while they were moving some other really valuable stuff. Maybe some some things that uh, were a bit a bit bigger. Yeah, like a whole r- room. Yeah. Made of cool stuff. Are you confused? Go back and listen to all of our episodes, but specifically the one about the Amber Room. Um, so cool. So maybe the Nazis have the library, and then they hit it. I mean, they already had plenty of other really important pieces of art and other big books that, like, you know, they did a lot of book burnings, but they also, which a lot of people don't know, they kept basically a copy of all of those books in order to make sure that they knew all of the stuff, but nobody else did. Yeah. So it was just a whole, like, oh, this is a show. Watch it. We are burning these books about bad things that we do not like. Lol. I have read all of them. At least they read them. These parents trying to ban books, they're just like, no, it's bad. They haven't actually read it. They don't follow the protocol. I hate everyone. All right, moving on. (laughs) By the 1990s. Yeah, baby. Archaeologists had broadened their search beyond the Kremlin into Sergeyev Posad, where Ivan moved his court during the later years of his reign. Okay. Alexandrov, which is the capital of his fiefdom, and the village of Dyakovo, where a secret door leading underground was found in the church of St. John the Baptist. But, oh. they, but they haven't found anything. Oh, well, it's probably like a, a cold place to keep dead bodies. Sorry that <laughs> completely put a damper on things. Anyway, here's what I thought. This was not reflected in any of the research. This was just, I... This is a Shannon thought. It's a theory. It's a... Well, it's not really a theory. It's just an observation. So, let's say Mm. the library existed. Let's say that it managed to survive... Up till All this time. Yeah. Well, not till now. But I would not be surprised if it was uncovered... If it had survived... And it was uncovered during the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917. I would not be surprised if it was then destroyed. Because yeah. the Bolsheviks hated the Tsar and the monarchy 
and everything they stood for. So why would they not destroy the library that was created by the first ever czar ever? Would they know though that it was? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure they would have. They would have assumed like, oh, this is the library that they've been building for forever. Yeah. And they're probably. I mean, at that point, they knew that there was a quote unquote secret lost library, so they would be looking for it potentially. Yeah. So I, I can get that, but then there's a part of me that I'm like in the same vein of like, oh, they're keeping it from us. We need to give it to the world because everyone needs to know it. Then I would think that they would have maybe not destroyed it, but like tried to, you know, give it to the world and be like, hey, everybody. But at that point, most of the academics... They couldn't even give bread to everybody. Well, and most of the academics had been... Murdered! Murdered or pushed out of the country. So anyone who could potentially read it for them were gone. Bye. Yeah. So, I don't know. So that was just a thought. I mean, it's a. It, I I would really love to and explore then we get that. To, yeah, tie it into. Yeah. Anastasia. Anastasia. Emma really thought I was covering her. I really did. <laughs> uh, but I, she got really excited. I was like, "Don't get too excited." Well, because every every episode, you guys, because we have to remember Dimitri's name. Right. Um. We write down the episode number, Dimitri's name, and sometimes his occupation, which usually doesn't come up. Just in case. Uh, just in case. And today, Shannon wrote uh, his name, Dimitri, and uh, his job as a train conductor. And not two days ago, she sends me a post on Instagram of the train from Anastasia as like a toy. And is like, I don't know if, like, you know, I don't really need this, but I love that it exists, is what yeah. she said. It's like and from it, 1997. And I, I love it, too. It's only $8 plus shipping. I didn't buy it, but I'm proud of myself. <laughs> we're coming in. We're going to land the plane, Emma. Okay. It is likely, if the library existed at all and managed to survive fire and war, it is most likely... That it was divided and absorbed by other collections across Asia and Europe, probably in the 18th century. That would make sense. So, perhaps it exists as part of many secret libraries now. I mean, but the likelihood of them maybe knowing, because I will say this, libraries find stuff in their archives, like, legitimately, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that we had that. What's all the time. Thing? Yeah. They find stuff all the time because what they're basically doing is like generations ago, people were like, oh yeah, no, we'll definitely take that entire hoard from an estate. And then they just stick it in their and basement. People, people make fun of spreadsheet people like us. I, I don't. If there were more spreadsheet people, you wouldn't lose stuff. But I mean, also, like, the point where, you know, big things were coming in, they might not have been known to be, you know, done by this particular painter or written by this writer or, you know, that person didn't become famous until af- well after their death or things like that. But then libraries and museums keep these things forever. And then they just don't go through them all that like often because they just have so much stuff like the library of congress you guys has so much stuff so much stuff that they still have not cataloged everything their podcast that they should have (laughs) so much stuff at the library of congress but it's like they haven't even cataloged everything that they have with your host lavar burton oh that'd be great he has a podcast 
But I want him to post. He, he reads stories. It's actually really delightful. Cute. Yeah. And he, he like, well, it's basically an audio book done by LeVar Burton. But it's mostly short stories, but still, it's, like, delightful. And it makes me very happy. It's a wonderful thing to fall asleep to if you're, like, really struggling to fall asleep. Because it's the reading rainbow. Like, your childhood is back. Speaking of, you know who needs a podcast? Steve? Yeah. Yeah. From Blue's <laughs> From Blue's Blues? The best. All right. Nowadays, the limited information surrounding the possible existence of the library makes it a topic of little interest to most researchers. And then I have a quote that I kind of love. It kind of like sums up the whole vibe of this situation. It's from a professor named Daniel C. Waug. W-A-U-G-H. Waug. Waug. I mean, wow, wow, I'm sure there's something. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but I, one of the sources that's in the show notes is very clearly, <laughs> like, he wrote a book, but this is a, like, a, it, it took me right back to college, because it's very clearly a scanned PDF of oh. the book. <laughs> so I had to zoom in, because it was so small, but when you zoom in, it's, like, kind of blurry, and I couldn't copy and paste anything, because it's a picture of a yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof, at least I didn't have to turn my laptop sideways. <laughs> like when Kirshner would send stuff. Ashbrook. All right. Oh, golly. Well, this is by Daniel C. Wang. Quote, while the believers have yet to demonstrate conclusively that the library did exist, the unbelievers likewise have not produced evidence that would force us to dismiss the witnesses to the existence of the library. Yeah, Daniel! And that was back in 1987. But yeah, there's not a lot of contemporary research going on. Instead, treasure hunters and conspiracy theorists continue to carry the torch, hoping that one day mysterious vaults beneath the Kremlin will reveal the lost secrets of Byzantium, ancient Greece, and beyond. Come on, Putin. Get off your horse, put on a shirt, and let us dig under the Kremlin. (sighs) Very well done. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. It um, kind of made me rage um, at points. I told you we were going to get mad about books. I got really angry at a certain point. And for the record, I don't need more books, but if you're going to get me a Christmas present. Books are probably a good choice. What's your genres? Just so people know in case oh, they're I'm like, looking. <laughs> I mean, over the last like year, primarily romance novels. Romance novels, books about the Titanic, books about Mount Everest. Everest. Um, <laughs> anything that has to do with getting the band back together. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Some light fantasy. If it's gay and it slaps. I mean, are they slapping each other? or Have you not? No, I know. I'm just... I was like, have you not been on that part of book talk? Don't worry. My TikTok is gayer than your TikTok. It is true. I don't, I like, I'm not mad about it. I literally had this thought the it's other night where I was like, TikTok. there are, I love the reaction videos from gay creators. Yeah. Like, looking, or queer creators in general, like looking at. Uh, are the straights Are the straights okay? okay? They We're don't like, seem okay. Do you remember when that growl one was going around? Where everyone was like roaring? Yeah. I love the guy. It was creepy. <laughs> I love the guy who will stitch thirst traps and be like, hey, what are you watching? <laughs> you should probably throw out those leftovers from Thanksgiving. They're probably going to make you sick. Okay continue like 
Leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't seek out this content. It just found me on my For You page. I I came across a video. I don't think I sent it to you. I think I've already told you about it. Most likely have. But it was this person who was like, hi, I am so-and-so. Um, do you like these things, these things, these things? And do you follow these, like, creators? Um, I have a secret for you. Um, you're gay. And I was like... <laughs> No, but thank bi you. wife energy. <laughs> she has bi wife energy. Bi wife energy. Yeah, that's was, me. Yeah, I was trying to segue, but I, it, I tried and I did not land. The Where you wanted to be? No, I didn't stick the landing on that's that That's okay. One. I'll give you a three out of ten. Oh, thanks. I mean, they don't rate gymnastics on a ten point scale anymore. They don't? Not the way they used to. I don't know all the ins and outs about it, but well, we'll it ask, changed. We'll ask Basically, perfect ten is impossible now. I mean, that's kind of fair. Yeah, but it's like a bummer from like a viewer perspective. You know, that's fair. I don't know. All of it's impressive to me. Yeah, you know what's a perfect ten? What the people that listen to this podcast? Amen. So you should give us a perfect ten and like rate, review, subscribe. Definitely subscribe. Those matter. They do. Ratings, I don't know. Ratings do ratings them? do matter. Please a, give us I'm a rating. Like, give yeah. us a review. We currently have no reviews. So if you've been listening to us for a while um, and you yeah. want to give us... We have some ratings. We have a lot of ratings. But as far as reviews go, Review? guys, let us know Aww. if you like us and why and how. Um, and just, you know, give us a little shout-out. We would a love little that. Shout out, that would a little be like boost. the gold star if you would like like a thumbs up of affection and love from us. Yeah. I would love if you could comment on the Instagram post from this day's, uh, this day's episode. This day. On this day, an episode was posted. But if you can go to our Instagram and comment what your favorite moment was or something, I just, let us know that you're out here and you're listening. Yeah, because we don't get to interact with you guys the way that, you know, we interact with each We're other. We're just two so. weirdos sitting in a room together, so. Guys. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. We had a roller coaster of a day today. This is the second time I've seen Shannon today. What's up? It's the third time in three days that I have seen her. Like, we've, we're going to be seeing each other four days in a row. No, second time in two days. Right? Did I see you yesterday? No. Never mind. Anyway, Shannon and I already saw each other today. Right. <laughs> we... Like, we went this morning because Dimitri went to St. Andrews in Scotland. Yes. And in Old Town Alexandria, they have a Christmas, a Scottish Christmas walk. It's a parade. It's a parade. Neither me nor Dimitri were aware that it was a parade. <laughs> and he was invited by a friend who he went to St. Andrews with to say, hey, um, we're doing this walk on this date around here around this time you should come wear your robe because they you know graduated with robes and so he was like yeah great i'll do that we get there or we're halfway there basically because we get stuck in wall-to-wall -wall traffic on the way to downtown alexandria he yeah. had to hop out of the car <laughs> in order to get to where he needed to be on time and i finally park and i realize because, of course, the traffic wasn't indicator enough for me. And the, like, road closures were <laughs> indicator like, enough for me. On? I was like, something's happening today and I don't know what it is. Hold on. I would like to review the texts. <laughs> I got out of the car after parking and I hear bagpipes and I go, oh, this is a parade. 
because there's so many people, you guys. I did not, I was not aware. My, my brain was going on, like, high speed, trying to figure out, why did we not know? Uh, okay, but so I had sent you, like, the parking garage, and you were like, great. And I was like, okay, I'm, like, heading down there soon. And you said, it's like an actual parade. Traffic is insane, and so is parking. Just dot, 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 warning. Well, because I was worried. Truly thought it was going to be, like, five guys just walking the sidewalks. I did! I just, that was very funny. I literally thought. I would like to point out how supportive of a spouse you are, that you thought it was going to be that. And you were still like, yes, Dimitri, I will go and I will cheer you on. Oh, absolutely. While you walk the sidewalk. Absolutely. I would have been on the other, I would have been on the opposite side. Also, Emma is like responsible for some ladies hearing damage. I'm fairly certain. She has no volume control. You may have noticed on this podcast. Yeah, I have no volume control. But as Dimitri came, first of all, he was behind a group of Mormons. It was a rather surprising and I was taking video of that, not realizing that Dimitri was behind them. And so the video is of me going, the Mormons are here. And of Shannon going, hello. And we're, I'm taking a video literally just to capture the fact that the Mormons are in the Scottish parade. And then I realize my husband is there. Surprise! And I scream and point to the point where my finger is in the video of me pointing and the woman next to me audibly goes, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. And I turn to her and I go, I am so sorry. I did not mean to do that. You're like, that's, that's my, my husband. husband. <laughs> and she goes, it's fine. I just wasn't prepared. And I was like, me neither. <laughs> like, clearly. Uh, well. So I, it's been an eventful day. It has been a day. Emma, you missed the most important part. I'm sorry. What else did we see at the Scottish Parade? We saw an entire clan dressed in both their kilts and their tartan. Uh-huh. And also... Star Wars! <laughs> outfits. All of their costumes were like Star Wars meets Outlander. And it was... But it was great Incredible. First we saw like two teenage-ish height... Jawas. Jawas. And so I like turned, the ones the ones with the cloaks and the dark faces on the inside. I turned to Emma and went, I bet the conversation went like this this morning. Mom, what are you wearing? Child, you only said I had to walk in the parade. But then we turn around and we recognize that there are like stormtroopers. There was a woman wearing Obi-Wan Kenobi's outfit, but also with her tartan around the middle. Which was Perfect. They also had two tiny ponies. Which Shannon didn't even notice. I was so distracted by the Star Wars. <laughs> and I had to go twice. Shannon, a pony. Ponies. <laughs> I was, it's been a day. It's been um, fun. And then we, you know, we went to Russia. We got mad about books. Um, happy holidays, everyone. Happy ho- holidays. From, from a Scottish bagpiping Santa and these two weirdos in a room. These two Irish weirdos in a room. <laughs> Hey. But we all hate the English. Sorry. Sorry, Tom King. Oh my gosh! The poor Crip King hasn't even gotten a mention in like five, six episodes. We have to get it in there. Tom, let us know if you hate England too. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time, remember (laughs) this podcast. Like this phrase, it doesn't doesn't exist. exist.
Oh, right. We were supposed to whisper. 